So uh, today on the show, I have the amazing Dawn Masler. Welcome to uh, the Kowalski Analysis. Yay! <laughs> so Dawn, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Thank you for jumping on with us. So Dawn and I have known each other for a few years. We actually, I was fortunate enough to speak at an event with you and just uh, after the event is when I saw your TED talk and was just really amazed by it because it explains so much, you know, um, and I'm just excited to, to dive into it. So for anyone that doesn't know who you are, I'm just going to give you a quick intro. So Dawn Mazur is a biologist. She's a researcher and an entrepreneur. She's a two-time TEDx speaker with 4 million views on how your brain falls in love. She is the author of Men Chase, Women Choose, and the founder of Biggie Bioscience, which is developing the first at-home testosterone test for men. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. So let's start. How did you get into this? You were, you were just like a, a, a med student? You were studying biology? Or how did you become a love biologist? Well, I'm actually a biology professor, and I've been teaching for about 14 years, and I got interested in, I started off getting interested because I was attracted to the wrong men, and my first book is really about that, and then after- Now, which um, one was that? Was that the Men Chase Women Choose, or was it the- uh, The Broken Picker Fixer. Oh, the Broken, right. I bought that book, actually. I bought that for an ex-girlfriend, because I'm like, well, if she picked me, she must have a broken picker. <laughs> <You> broken. <laughs> <laughs> so- after after that book, the next I started getting I started asking questions about um, what is really love about. Can we quantify it on a scientific level? So how do the hormones work? How do the neurotransmitters work? And that's what I really wanted to kind of find out. And what what is because most people think love is just an emotion and it's it's separate from science and you can't really. Uh, put the two together. And what we learned was, or what I learned was, it's, it is science. It's mother nature. Yeah, I love it. Because I, so I, you know, I'm pretty outspoken on the whole waiting thing. And I'll be like, you know, break it down. I'm like, look, at, at our base, men want sex, women want security. And girls, sometimes women get mad at me. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying that women don't like sex. I'm not saying that men don't like security. But at our core, at our very core, we're different. And I said, when a woman gives sex, before she gets commitment, she puts herself at a position of disadvantage because you're basically giving the guy a little bit of the you know, right to walk on you a little bit. You give him a little bit of control over you because you know, I didn't know why until I saw your video, but it, it makes so much sense because women release oxytocin when they, when they have sex, when they orgasm, but men don't. I always thought, I always wondered what was wrong with me because I would have sex with, I put so much energy into getting a girl and then we would have sex. And as soon as I ejaculated, I wasn't interested anymore. I couldn't, I didn't, under, I was, and I was like, what's wrong with me? There's got to be something wrong with me. And it was, it was the fact that I wasn't releasing oxytocin. They were, and they, they would want to continue to date. Of course, that would cause, you know, heart, hurt feelings and broken relationships or whatever, but I didn't know why until I saw your video and it, and, it, and so I'll just, women will give me pushback on that and I'll just send them the link and I'll be like, Nope, biology. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because when you're, when you first start dating someone, you get all that dopamine. Mm -hmm. And if you, it turns out if you say there's a, there's something called the Coolidge effect. Did I talk to you about this yet? If it was, I don't remember that one. Educate okay. me and, and anyone listening. The Coolidge effect is, is 
is great. The, it comes from the president, Calvin Coolidge. So the story goes that Calvin Coolidge was visiting a chicken farm and he had his wife with him and they're walking through the chicken farm and the wife was up ahead and she looks over and she sees this rooster and he's being quite amorous with this hen. And she goes to the attendant, she goes, is that rooster like that all the time? And she goes, he's in the attendant said, yes, ma'am, all day, every day. She goes, oh, really? You have to tell President Coolidge that. So he runs back to President Coolidge and he says, President Coolidge, your wife wants me to point out this rooster. And he looks over and he, the rooster's having his way with his hen. He goes, I see, son. Is he like that all the time? He, and the attendant says, yes, sir, all day, every day. And he goes, one other question, son. Is it the same old hen every day? <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> and the attendant says, no, sir, it's a new hen every day. And he says, now run back and tell Mrs. Coolidge that. <laughs> <laughs> But wow. it turns out that's called the Coolidge effect. When a man first starts dating a woman, his dopamine goes up yeah. and he gets really excited. And, but if he's satiated too quickly, it just drops back down. He never really gets to falling in love. He's just up and down for the dopamine. What has to increase is something called vasopressin. And vasopressin increases when he's sexually stimulated, but decreases once he's satiated. Right. So basically, just to sum up, and I want everybody to go out there and watch this 10 reasons, or I'm sorry, watch why your brain, how your brain falls in love. Go watch it for yourself. It's 18 minutes. It's gold. Um, but just to sum it up, your, your grandmother, it started with a conversation with your grandmother, but she was telling you, you girls have sex with these guys too quick, yes. right? And then, yes. and then you started studying the brain and found out basically that men and women don't release this, this bonding hormone at the same time. Men well, it's, it's actually two different mechanisms. Yeah. Men fall in love with one mechanism and women fall in love with a different mechanism. So we both start out, it's something in, in biochemistry, it's called uh, the enzymatic effect. And the enzymatic effect is when hormones and neurotransmitters build up, it's almost like a, um, uh, what is it called? When the roller coaster. It builds up, builds up, builds up, and then boom, we fall in love. Mm -hmm. But it has to get to the point where it builds up. And for men, it's dopamine and vasopressin. And for women, it's dopamine and oxytocin. And oxytocin increases when you have sex, and vasopressin increases when you don't have sex. See, so, so basically, to sum it up, wait until you... Now, you advocate waiting until commitment. Is that correct? Because yeah. that's when you say the men release... They release what? Is it, it, it is well, once, is it once, the, once a man commits to a woman, his testosterone drops. And when his testosterone drops, that helps make, he because he does still produce oxytocin. So that uh, the, the um, testosterone will block the effects of oxytocin. So that can help him create a long-term bond. Mm. But the, the idea is to wait until commitment. That's what, that was yeah. what your, your studies have basically found is you wait until a man commits. So I, I and, I've, and I think, first of all, thank you for endorsing my book. If you all don't know, Don uh, was, was kind enough to endorse Why Waiting Works. But I advocate for waiting until marriage because, not because I don't come at it, obviously, from a biological standpoint, even though I do think that there's evidence to back that up. I come at it more for... I could commit and I could get out of a commitment easily. So I might commit just to get some tail, you know, like I might tell you, I love you. I might even think that I love you. I might even think I mean it when I say it because I, 
because what I, you know, the, the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things. So I might be like, Don, I love you. Let's have sex. But if you go, okay, Rob, I love you too. Let's get, get married real quick. That would change the conversation because I believe that marriage is the ultimate form of commitment. So what do you have to say to that? Because isn't it, couldn't it just a commitment be very easily, easy to get out of like a Facebook status or whatever? It could, but there's the other thing is I can actually, well, I pretty soon I'll be able to test for it. So that was the beginning of those test strips that for testosterone, because yeah. I can tell it, it under certain per, uh, parameters, I can tell based on your testosterone level, if you're committed to me or not, or committed to a woman. Yeah. So that, that really sucks. So hold on. So you're saying when you commit, well, a man commits his testosterone drops under certain parameters. So there's a lot more to it. It's not just, he's not low T all day. I mean, cause wouldn't that affect his desire for wanting to have sex? If his, if his testosterone his drops desire for wanting to have sex with other women, he, he gets out of pursuit. Ah, ah, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That, this that part of his brain is called a pursuit uh, spot and yeah. it actually stays, uh, it's, it's pretty large when for a single guy and then, it's it it's increased with testosterone, but when it's testosterone, it'll go. You you it fluctuates during the day. So if I can tell when your fluctuation is, yeah, that lower fluctuation causes that pursuit spot to actually shrink. So mm. you lose your desire to chase after other women. So wow. you can get up in the morning, you're fully full of fried testosterone. You go to work right about five o'clock, you start dying. <laughs> you want to just go home. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I've, I've had girlfriends and we've always had sex quickly, like real quick, like first date quick. And I would always be looking over my shoulder at other girls, wondering if I could be happy. Sometimes I would cheat. I mean, obviously I've been waiting a long time, so this hasn't, you know, this hasn't been any in time recent, but I, I, and I just wasn't sure if I was the kind of guy that could be a one woman man, or maybe I even thought like maybe human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous. Or I had all these crazy thoughts. So, and, and when, you know, <laughs> I want to think about how to phrase this because on some level, a woman has, this is what I tell women. They, I, they get mad. They're like, you're putting all the responsibility on women, but on some level, a woman can't complain about a man that she had sex with quickly. If he steps out on her because she didn't make him wait. Now I'm not saying that the guys, the guys should, not be trying to get it as quickly that we should be treating our women better and all that. I'm, I'm not disagreeing, but on some level, because I know there's a lot of women in the why waiting works community. It's like probably 90% women at some, on some level, you have to just start looking and taking control of the only thing you can take control of over. And that's your own actions. You, you can't just cry victim and just be like, well, I wish men would start doing this. Okay. You know, I wish they would too but you just have to start controlling your own actions and not let them hit so quickly. I actually said that at Stefan, Stefan Labossier's event. They're like, well, why, why do men go out? Why do they cheat? And I'm like, y'all let them hit too quick. And they, and they got mad a little, a couple of them got mad at me for saying it. I'm like, but it's true. And it's actually biology from what you're saying. Well, yeah, there's, it's a real advantage for a man to get to have sex with a woman as quickly as possible. So this is a bad scenario, but let's just run it out. So if a man has, gets to have a woman to have sex she, and he doesn't fall in love, he's not committed yet, she's going to bond to him. 
Now he has the opportunity. He's going to pick call her up at like 10 o'clock at night and go, Hey baby, you want to, can I come over? And she knows that she shouldn't let him, but because of her high oxytocin to him, she's going to be like, okay. And then if he doesn't call, she's going to be like hanging outside of his bedroom window, knocking on his trash cans, you know, trying to figure out what's going on because yes. it, because it's oxytocin on the brain now. I now she's bonded. <laughs> yes. That was number, that was reason number four for, I made a video on YouTube called 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage. And reason f number four was the transfer of control. A woman, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, y'all control the sex when we have sex for the first time, men are going to take it as fast as you'll give it to us. So, but what happens is when you give the man the sex, now you train, he, he gets the control because he's in control of the security and he hasn't given it to you yet. So now you're chasing him around trying to get the commitment, which may or may not come. The guy possibly is dragging his feet, wasting maybe the best years of your life, you know, and making it harder for you to go out and find somebody that will commit if he decides to hit the road later, because now he just wasted your time and you're older, which means your dating pool has shrank a little bit. Again, people get mad at me when I say that, but this is just real. You know, my dating pool shrinking. So, okay, so how is knowing this for you personally? How is knowing this, like all the biology behind it, changed dating for you? Well, by when I first started research, I've been in the same relationship the whole time. So it hasn't really changed my dating because I didn't really date. So I, I started researching this. I've been in the, my relationship for about 13 years. So okay. I started re researching it probably 10 years ago. And how long did you make him wait? Till I committed. <laughs> Until he committed? <laughs> yep. Okay, good, good. So uh, I'm assuming you're, you're in love with this guy. You've been together for what, 13 years, you said? Yes. Okay, good. So, so I got a couple questions from people that are actually, uh, that were in the group. Uh, one, one person asked, um, how do you factor in the variable of happiness in regard to falling in love? This is what, and then she goes on to say the air force study underlined that there was not a difference between commitment married versus commitment unmarried in the study. What do you think about throwing another subjective variable of happiness within the relationship? Since there are men who commit because it is the next step and men who commit because they feel in love. Okay. So if you, if you, I wrote, you know, that, Book. I wrote a whole book on it, but in a nutshell, there's actually several phases. So the first phase is attraction has nothing to do with, um, with love. And that's the, that's the sexual attraction. The second phase is when you're falling in love. That's the dance where you're building up the neurotransmitters to fall in love. The third phase is when you actually fall in love. When you fall in love, we see a deactivation of parts of the brain. We see a drop in serotonin level. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. That lasts roughly about two years. And that's one of the reasons why there's a high divorce rate around two years mark. If you can make it past the two years, then you go into long-term love. Now, all of these are completely different than happiness. <laughs> Because happiness is really an internal mechanism and it has nothing that as you get older, you realize it doesn't have that much to do with the outside circumstances. It's more about your internal, uh, you can be, you can have everything in the world and still be pick out the bad part. You know, that yeah. one little, it's uh, this gorgeous new house, but I got a smudge on the, on the wall. You know, it's like, I can focus on the negative. Hey Amen. You see it on the each uh, the true Hollywood stories back in the day. The richest, most famous people in the world would be miserable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
So um, it, there's not a real, there's, what, what it turns out for long-term love, which is the fourth stage, that's after like the two years of the craziness, um, the people that tend to focus on the good qualities of the other person tend to be the happiest. The ones that focus on the negative are the ones that are heading towards a, mm. either a bad relationship or divorce. Um, yeah. I, I forgot what the Gottman Institute called them, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which was like the negative thinking, the critical, the criticisms. Um, uh, there's a couple more, but when you really, but it basically go, boils down to focusing on the negative. And if wow. you can focus on the positive, then you're, mo you're gonna more likely stay happy. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think honestly, my, I think my mind tends to go toward the negative naturally. Mm -hmm. And something that I do to combat it is I, I make a gratitude list. So like pretty regularly, I'll write down in the morning, I did it this morning, 10 things that I'm grateful for. And what I, it forces me to start looking for things to be positive about. And, and it's, it's weird because like, I'll go through the, you know, I'll try not to do the same things every day. So as I go through it and I start writing the things down, I'll be thinking, I'm trying to think of things to be grateful for, and eventually I'll get it done. But then throughout the day, I'll see things that I didn't think of and I'll go, oh yeah, I am grateful for that. And, yeah. and that's how it starts to rewire your brain because now you start looking for things to be grateful for. So it's really good practice if anybody out there struggles with that, that negative thinking is try to try a gratitude list. It really, it'll snap you out of depression too pretty quickly. Um, so, okay, let me ask you this. What, how do you... What advice do you give to like younger people versus older people? So like if somebody's been divorced or widowed, do you get, is it the same advice for a young person as it is for an older person or is there any differences in what you tell them? Um, well, for the, the phases aren't any different, but one of the things that we noticed is that there's a part of the brain called the amygdala and the amygdala is the part of the brain that sounds the alarm. Now that goes asleep when you first fall in love. That's one of the reasons why you, you can't see anything wrong with the other person, even though your friends are going, dude, dude, you know, don't, don't go with that person. And you're like, but he's wonderful. Look, it, he'll, you know, he'll get a job eventually. You can, find a, you can find a bloody ax in his closet. You'll be like, oh no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a deer hunter. It's not a big deal. You know, so, yeah. He's helping mother nature. He's really a great guy. So that, the amygdala will fall asleep. That's one of the reasons why women love to jump into relationship after relationship is because it puts that sleep and it decreases the anxiety. Women with, particularly women with trauma, have a bigger amygdala. So it makes it more difficult to uh, get into a relationship. And men too, the same thing. The larger, the more trauma you have in the back, the in your background, the harder it is to trust and mm -hmm. to get into a relationship that tends to be uh it, it doesn't really have a factor in age oftentimes because you know you can have a trauma when you're a kid but if you've had a tr tr as you get older you tend to have more traumas anyway Re uh, bad relationships divorces those type of things which can make it more difficult to fall back in love or trust someone again yeah no, that's so good. So there's a study, actually, I referenced it in the book where it talks about women with, with more than 10 sex partners, they have the highest divorce rates. And I always thought that the reason for that was, I believe that was oxytocin. Because so there, I do, a, you know, my, for the most part, the video and the book is super practical, but I do reference the Bible quite a bit in it. And there's, there's a verse that talks about how 
anyone that sins sexually sins against their own body. It says all other sins a person commits are outside the body. It says, but a person that sins sexually sins against their own body. And my belief always was that, that sex was this connection mechanism. You, you know, you bond to somebody. It says the two become one flesh. And then if you pull away, you know, and you start doing that too many times, eventually you don't bond any good that well anymore. So you've, is that with this, I don't even remember how to pronounce that. Is it amygdala? amygdala. Is that, is that you from bonding? Yes. So there, okay. And I just thought, I thought it was the oxytocin to be honest, but it's part of the brain. Basically the oxytocin doesn't work anymore because your amygdala is too big. It's sound the alarm and it won't allow the oxytocin to take effect. Yeah. So it ends up, it's kind of weird. For some reason it has like the reversed effect instead of helping you to fall in love and bond, it creates more anxiety. Wow. Yeah. And I, and honestly, this is something else I, I, I've said in the book is that as much as we want sex, as, as good as sex feels, I think what we want even more than sex is to, is to connect with people on a deep level. And if you, you fu- fuck that up, whatever that connection mechanism is, and you're not able to connect with somebody on a deep level, that's going to be really painful for you. You know, oh, love sex any day. Yeah. There's no, there is no comparison. Sex is easy. Sex is dime a dozen, but love is rare. So why would you, why would you settle for hot dogs when you can have filet mignon? Love it. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to your, let's go back to the, it's not a debate, but a difference in opinion where the, the commitment versus marriage. If marriage is the ultimate form of commitment, why wouldn't you just go to that, that length and say, you should wait for a man to marry you before having sex with him because can't we get out of a commitment pretty easily? Well, um, yes and no. If it's an honest commitment, it, it has a biological effect on you, on men. So you may, you may think, Oh, I'm just going to say I'm committed. But how do you to- know if it's honest? How do you know if it's honest? How do you know he just doesn't want some tail? Well, and I don't, well, I do know I can test you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can test. Look, but not all these women out there are going to have these testosterone tests laying around. We can't even test for coronavirus, much less whether man's going to be faithful. Well, hopefully one day we'll have those tests laying around and we can test you. Um, but it does have an effect. So you may, so you may screw yourself up. You may be going, oh yeah, baby, I committed to you. I've committed. But if, if, you actually think about it as a commitment, it's going to change your biochemistry. So you could end up falling in love. So I think, I think, a, and I, it's how in tune you are to yourself, but I think a woman knows when, if a man is telling, if, he, if he's really committed or not. Yeah. Well, they don't, I don't know that they know. I think if a man says, you know, be my girlfriend or, you know, changes their Facebook status, that might be enough for somebody, but that's, it's such a flimsy commitment. Cause it, I mean, like when I see, you know, I'll see people, a man at men and women distraught. Oh my God, I can't believe they cheated on me. And they're all boohooing that the person ran out. And I'm like, what did you have? You had nothing. You had like a little, a little tissue piece of paper that a, a word, that's all you, that's all that, you know, and then you're, you're shocked that they ran out on you. Like you didn't get, you didn't make them do anything. You didn't make them man up. Or woman up. Well, it is. Uh, um, there's there should be a time factor too. So if if what's, he says what's the if time, he, how long? Because the average uh, amount of dates that people go on right now is three. Right, right, yeah. I usually 
back in the day, I was saying 90 days. Yeah, Steve Harvey, I think Steve Harvey says six months, which would be a drastic improvement for most people, obviously. And 90 days would be a drastic improvement. Because I think at that point, you start to really weed out, like, not only even just for them, but for you. Like, because a lot of times you can meet somebody, I mean, and you're just like, ooh, you know, they're good looking. I'd like to, you know, like physically, because we're just all, you know, we're all charged up. And then you, you know, like, you could easily sleep with that person without really seeing who's, who lives inside that tent. Oh, sure. That's you know, norepinephrine. You want to know something really interesting? Yeah. Do you know what, what norepinephrine uh, mimics? Fear. Fear hmm. can make you more sexually attracted to somebody. So think about like the bad boy bikers and all that kind of stuff. You put, put that fear element and women are more going to be more sexually attracted to those guys. And men on the same thing. You get that crazy chick, you know, the, guy, the guys are like, why, why did she end up being so crazy I, after we got together? It's like, no, she, you were attracted to crazy to begin with because yeah. of the, the sexual attraction. But so that's why you want to take your time to date, get to know them. So you kind of get past that sexual attraction and get to the real person. Yeah, I once heard that uh, if you want a woman to connect more with you, like if it was like a, a first date or one of your first dates, don't go to a, like a romance movie. Take up, go to a horror movie because when they feel safe with you, there's something they, they attach more deeply to you. That's I, I remember hearing that in college years ago. Yeah, well, back in the day, they had something called the tunnel of love, where you went in a little boat in a in a dark tunnel and they scared you and you came out the other side. You were in love. Right. I guess, yeah, I guess there it is. Cause you, you, you link, you get closer to that person. So, all right, let, let me see if I have any other questions here from, uh, from viewers. Sorry, my cat is walking into the room. Let's see here. So this is uh this is another question. You said, how do you explain how we fall into lust? Fall into lust? Lust. Yeah. So lust is all about norepinephrine, which is the fight or flight response. So it's part of, um, it's like mother nature's way of, if, if you're gonna die tomorrow, you might as well have sex tonight. It's kind of like, the, <laughs> the bigger the fear, if the bombs are going off, for some reason you think you'd wanna run away, but it causes a sexual attraction. That's what norepinephrine is. And that's that when you walk in the room and you get that buzz and it's like your eyes connect and you get the sweaty palms and everything, that's norepinephrine. Has nothing to do with love. Let me repeat that, nothing, just sexual attraction. So once you, and that is temporary. So it's basically to try to get you together and then you get to learn to uh, know the person. But if you mistake that for love, then you're going to, you're going to um, try to re-engage it. And the only way really to do that is, be dr is drama. So you get in these like crazy relationships. So the, the classic example is Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. They met and married, married within 30, 36 hours. So they, like, they met on a Friday by Monday, they were married and their relationship lasted, um, I think it was three years. In the last six months, Tommy Lee was in county jail for domestic violence. Mm. So that's the type of relationship when you mistake that sexual attraction for love. And what's the what's the antidote to that? Is it just time? Taking your time, yeah. Yeah, and you said, and you think waiting. That, there you go. Why waiting works? No, so you think ninety days though is enough? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, you could, I've been in, in my relationship for 13 years and I'm still learning stuff about him. So is 13 years enough? You can. Let me ask you this. What if you would have dated this guy, right? Okay. You would have, you, you, at some point you realized that you liked him, right? Yeah. Maybe it was when, you know, three months into it or whenever you decided that you were going to have sex with him. What if you would have just, cause at this point now it's been 13 years and I'm sure you would probably like to walk down that aisle with this guy. Right. Cause it, it, that would be nice. So why, what, why wouldn't, wouldn't it have made more sense to just wait it and made him hold, man up and, and put a ring on it? Well, so we talked about past traumas in one of his issues was he had just ended a pretty traumatic divorce and he was very apprehensive about getting married ever again. His but this is what I say. He pro did he wait with that first one? My guess is no. Because my theory with all this is when you don't wait, especially men, again, we don't wait. If a woman was going to give it to us, we're going to take it. We, we take it and then we drift into relationships with the wrong people because of now, basically, like if you're giving me sex, even if I'm not in love with you, even if I'm dating other people, I know I still want to be free. At some point, I start to feel indebted to you. Cause I'm, I know that I'm taking the sex and I feel like I'd feel like a real shit bag. If I left, like went out and started dating somebody else, I'd crush you. So I'm like, ah, just make you my girlfriend or make you my wife because she I also oh, got pregnant. What? Oh, she got pregnant. That's, she did. Yeah. So that, that complicates things even more. So now he really felt like he couldn't, he, he probably felt trapped. Well, they, he, he, they, she was pregnant when they got married. That's one. That's why they got married. So, okay. um, yeah. Okay. So it go was, ahead. Go with it. I cut you off. Well, uh, well, that was. I mean, that that was part of the issue is that it, he, that relationship, and she ended up being, um, she had mental health issues. You know, she had bipolar and stuff. So his relationship was like kind of crazy. So he was very apprehensive about getting into another. He wanted. He wanted love. He wanted a relationship. That's a. That's our most primitive natural desire. But he also had the fear, as you said, of getting stuck, of, of the craziness. And, and then he already had adult children, or at least they were in, they were in college. And, um, you know, he had to factor in those things. They didn't want him to get into a relationship. So now, now as you get older, you have blended families. You have all kinds of other issues that come into play. Yeah. 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 No, I understand. So I'm going to run a couple of my, like, these are, Jesus, these are my strong beliefs, things that I say to people, you know, when they, they ask me questions and I want to hear from a, your standpoint, since you are a biologist, I just want to hear uh, your take on it. So like my thought process is this, is if a woman is in a relationship with a man and they're, they're physical and they're not yet married, um, and maybe the woman's wondering if the love is real, you know? Mm -hmm. What I say to do is stop having sex, have a conversation with that person, the man or a woman, because I actually did this with my girlfriend. So men too, have a conversation with your partner and say, look, I'm not sure if we're really in love or I'm not sure if we're built to last, or I think we're in love. I'd, I'd love I, I, I know I love you and I really want to get married to you, but I want to make sure. And, for, in order for, and we're going to stop having sex. And if we both become convinced we're in love, let's get married and we'll have all the sex. Yeah. Well, and starting on our wedding night. But if we're not in love, we're going to stop wasting each other's time. Yeah. 
and you cut it off. And what happens is because you don't, you're not getting all these chemicals released, you're able to evaluate and audit the relationship very clearly. And either you get married or that person leaves. But what I tell women, it's scary to do this, but a man that's in love with you is not going to leave because you won't have sex with him. He will be motivated to marry you because all, at that point you put it back on him. You can have sex with me anytime you want. You just got to get married to me. So either he's, you're going to find out that he was not really in love, which you just did yourself a big old favor because you don't want to be with somebody that's not really in love with you. I hope not. Or you get the, you get the ring, you get the marriage, which is hope, you know, maybe what you want. If you're sleeping with him, it's probably what you want. Is that true? Because I, I know for me, if I, if I was in love with a woman and she stopped having sex with me, it would motivate me to marry her if I was in love. Okay. So my relationship, I said 13 years, we broke up. We stopped having sex. So he came back a little while later and then he put a ring on it. Right. Well, okay. So it worked. <laughs> you just proved my point. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if any women out there, this is that it works. I did it. I did it on my end because I wasn't sure if I was in love. And I, and you know, for me, it was like, I was getting my relationship with God. Right. Again. And he started telling me, stop basically that this isn't right. Probably because he knew he wanted me to write a book down the road or whatever. But I just was like, okay, I'm going to try it your way. Cut it off. Clouds part it. We broke up three weeks later and I was like, whew, dodge that one. Yes. But yeah. Okay, good. That, that's it's awesome. Important. And it, I, I think, and I think that's part of what happened with our relationship. We both had the opportunity to get distance enough because we met shortly after his divorce. I mean, he was, I was like right on the, the heels of it. And I'm not sure if he felt like he had enough time to evaluate it. So we took, a, we had a year apart. And when we got back together, that's, I think he, he, he realized that he had the opportunity to take the time to, like you said, evaluate it yeah. and say, I dodged a bullet or in that, in my case, he was like, Oh, maybe I was letting a good one go. Right. Yeah. He realized what he had. Right. So here's another thing. This is something that always happened to me is I would have sex quick, quickly with these girls with, you know, whatever girls I was dating, we would drift into a relationship and then the physical attraction would fade. So I literally would be laying next to this girl. She was, they were beautiful. I'm like tens, some of them. And I did not want to have sex with them. I just wanted to go to sleep. I was yeah. interested in having sex with other girls, but not with them. And I, I really believe like this is, you know, women want love. They want, they understand when I talk about waiting a little bit more than men do men, what I try to explain to them, I'm like, look, this is how it comes back on you because you you rush into a physical relationship with somebody and then you get attached to them. You get in this complicated thing. And now all of a sudden, because the connection isn't deep, the physical attraction goes away. And now you end up not even having that much sex. Like, and, and from the studies that I've seen after year four of marriage, 50% of, of uh, marriages, they don't have sex regularly after year four, which I believe is the consequence, which I tell men, look, like, look, I want to have more sex and I want to have better sex. I just am doing the work on the front end. So is there any biology behind why that physical attraction goes away? Yes. There's a lot of it. Yeah. So when you fall in love, it lasts between around two years. So one to three. So by year four, that makes sense because now you're like way past that, like where your brain. So when, when, you, when you first fall in love, you've got these parts of your brain that deactivate 
where your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that, uh, well, the thinking part of your brain, so it makes you a little silly, but there's a ventral medial prefrontal cortex, which is the judging part, um, that all deactivates. So this person, you're like, this is the greatest person in the world. And then when that starts coming, all that stuff starts coming back online, critical judgment returns, you start noticing things about them. You didn't, you're like, wow, they, they, uh, they smack their lips when they eat their cereal and just, you know, stuff like they snore. I never noticed Ew, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that starts kicking in. And the, you, then you can start fantasizing about what um, maybe, maybe would be different. So you, you, and then you have a choice there. You can start fantasizing on, oh, maybe the grass is greener, or you can be grateful, like you said, that gratitude lives, be grateful for what you have and realize and take, take a look at that. But what you're doing is you're moving from falling in love to long-term love. In long-term love, and I like that you have a spiritual component to your, your work, because long-term love actually comes to your, goes to your prefrontal cortex. It takes up residency next to morals, ethics, brotherly love, compassion. So it's a different type of love and it it's actually changes the person. That's so if the, if the person doesn't feel that comfortable with themselves to begin with, if they're not the practicing uh, morality, they're going to feel uncomfortable and they're going to start to maybe want to go get out of it. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah, because you hear people say love is a choice. And mm -hmm. I, I do believe it's a choice at some point. Like at yeah. first, it's not a choice because if it was just a choice, you could just choose to go love anybody. You're like, okay, I love you. And then just marry him and make it work. First, it starts out as a feeling and then it becomes a choice. Is that After the two years, it becomes a choice. You make an extra decision. You, you change that thinking to your prefrontal cortex. If you decide to be critical, you're going to fall out of love. It is going to decrease your hormones of attachment. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so I got a bunch of comments on this post right now. I'm just looking at it. Okay, can sweaty palms turn to love? Cassie Williams said. <laughs> it, it can turn to love. But that's, that's the first stage. You just, have, just don't confuse it with love. So it's basically Mother Nature going, hey, go take a look at that person. See, see how you get along. But just don't jump into a relationship because that's, that's going to cause the, the whole drama thing. Right. Okay. Did we go over the question about the, what the difference is and what you tell young people versus old people? Like, so yeah. meaning somebody's, did you, did, you did tell me that. So if someone's older, if they've, been, if they've been married... Older people can still have trauma. Now, younger people, they're, um, uh, it depends on younger, define younger. But when a man is under 25, his brain's not completely uh, gelled yet. It's not, all the connections are not made. So making a true commitment can be difficult for him. Right. So when you're saying, hey, make a commitment, put a ring on it, that's, he, need, he hasn't matured yet. His prefrontal cortex is not, the part that, that really makes this, this commitment, this logical thinking is not gelled, is not connected all the way. That's one of the reasons why his insurance is so high for car insurance is because he doesn't, doesn't think as well. <laughs> oh no, we're definitely animals when we're young. Um, so now the, I don't know, this may surprise you, the uh, a couple that gets married as virgins only has a 6% divorce rate. 
94% of them stay married, which is super low. And, you know, again, I always mention divorce feels like death. Everyone that's ever been through a divorce tells me that it's like the worst experience. So you, you see that, you see that super high success rate for people, even when they marry young, they, they have a very low uh, divorce rate. And people that don't wait, which is pretty much everybody, like 97% of the population doesn't wait till marriage, they have a 50% divorce rate. So, you know, like, how does that factor into what you just said about men not being developed? Because I, I, I see the men that marry young as virgins, because I think comparison is the thief of joy. You know, so like, again, that goes back to the women that have 10 or more sex partners. Not only do they have the trauma, but now you're comparing, uh, you know, the guys that you're dating with other guys and you're comparing sexual experiences too, I'm sure, you know? Okay. So that part I just told you where true love, it, it houses, it moves into the housing of commitment, morals, ethics. Oftentimes those people that get married as virgins, uh, arranged marriages, those have a long, uh, longer, they, they do better than, um, people that fall in love. Why is that? they it's because they don't go, they don't necessarily go through the falling in love phase. They go straight to commitment. They make that connection in the front of the brain where love lives and they go right to long-term love. Mm -hmm. So the long-term love, and here's the interesting part. When you first fall in love, it does all this crazy stuff to your brain, your serotonin drops. And that's why people in antidepressants have trouble sometimes falling in love, but they can still make a commitment, but they just, because their serotonin won't drop. But it, it, may, it looks in your brain like uh, if we take an MRI, it looks like you're doing cocaine. That's what falling in love looks like. But when you're in long-term love, it affects the opioid receptors. It's, so it's a, it's a calmer love. So it's kind of like uh, falling in love is cocaine, staying in love is heroin. So <laughs> but it's a different feeling. And it actually is better for you you live longer. If you're a man, you live 250 times longer than your single counterpart. Hold on. How many times longer? 250. Hold on. How do you live 250 times longer? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, percent longer. Percent. I'm sorry. Oh, percent. Okay. So, yeah. if, so basically if an, if a single guy lives to be 30, you live to be 75. Well, it's percent compared to your single counterpart. Yes. It's two, so it's, you know, 250 is two and a, oh, maybe, no, what, no, it can't be. I don't know. There's no way that. It, yeah, percent. It can't be. And women are 50%. It, it can't, 250 would be, so 100% would be, 200% would be double. 250 would be double and a half. So you figure if I, you know, let's say a single guy lives to be 60, I live to be 150. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's 25%. That would sound more reasonable to me. No, no, I, I have the, I have the research. It's actually 250%. Okay. I want to, I want you to say, I want you to fact check that after and send it to me. Cause I, I want to okay, see that. At my other house though. I get it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So tell me, tell like we, you know, we have a lot of people out there that are, that are watching that are going to be waiting, you know, they're already on the, what I call the refrain train. Um, they're not having sex and they're, they're, you know, waiting for a husband or they're waiting for a wife and they're doing it what I believe is the right way. So have you seen uh, many success stories with this, with even just waiting the 90 days? Or, now, do you coach women or is it just, you do, yes. you do coaching, right? Okay. And then, and then the book, the, uh, 
men chase women's shoes or women chase women. I'm sorry. What's order does men it come chase in? chase women's shoes. Right. Is that more about making men wait for commitment or making, making women well, wait? Until it basically, it's, it's talking about the science behind it. So I'm, I'm just laying out the science and you make the decision for yourself. But now you understand the ramifications of your decisions. Yeah. So if you want to go ahead, it basically is saying uh, waiting for commitment. Yeah. And have you seen some many success stories like women that maybe weren't waiting for commitment and then they decided to? Oh yeah. I've got, I've got marriages all, I get a whole bunch of marriages from my coaching clients. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sure that'll, you know, give everybody a lot of hope out there that is watching. Yeah, it's great. Unfortunately, they stopped being my coaching clients, but you know, (laughs) You know, all <laughs> right, you lose them as a client. It's kind of double-edged sword. You know, this is what I tell, this is what I tell women, you know, that, because I think, I think the natural um, enemy to doing this, to waiting, even till a commitment, even 90 days is fear. Like, so the first thing that, that pops in your head is like, if I wait, then I'm never going to have, keep anybody around because men don't wait for anything. Nobody waits anymore. No one's going to wait for me. So they, they think that they, they can't wait. And then what happens is a lot of times that fear will cause the thing that they don't want to happen, which is they really want to find love. They want to find somebody, but instead they don't find love, they find sex. And then the guys step out on them and they end up more broken than they were in the first place. And I try to tell women, I'm like, look, if, you would have, if a woman would have told me she was waiting in my former life when I was a scumbag, I would have been like, peace, I'm out. I would have left, right? I wouldn't have waited. I said, but yeah. those girls would have done themselves a big favor because I was a player. I said, if a girl tells me that she's waiting now, it intrigues me because I've been waiting. So I'm like, really, I, I'm, I'm more interested because that's what I'm looking for. I don't want a girl that ain't been waiting because I've been waiting. If a girl tells me that she's not waiting now, I'm like, peace, I'm out because I don't want a girl that's been sleeping with people while I haven't been, you know? So, you know, I, I just, I'd like to encourage people that what you're saying is right. It works. I believe that you take it all the way through to marriage because I do feel like that's the ultimate form of commitment. But I think 90 days, even for a lot of people, is a huge improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and if you want to wait till marriage, go. I'm all for it. I mean, it, it's your decision. I'm basically, my, my goal was, is to give you the information so you know what's going on, so you can make the decision for yourself. So, in, and what the reason I ended up doing the research was because all these people had opinions and ideas and I wanted to know what did mother nature say? What was really what was happening? Yeah. So we know now that like, you know, men go with the, with the dopamine up and down is he's, if you want him to fall in love, he's going to put pressure on you for sex. But if you want him to fall in love, he needs to be sexually attracted, but he can't be safe. I mean, once he's satiated, he's going to go, he's going to be like you did well, this was good. What's the next one? Right. Right. So what was your second Ted talk? I know you did the, the big one, the 4 million. Plus. The second one didn't come out that well. I had some audio or the, the, uh, they had audio problem. So it, it's hard to listen to, but it was about long-term is long-term love possible. And what was that? Can you summarize that for us? Was it anything that you haven't said already? It was basically what we said already about how love changes mm-hmm. in long-term love is really about what you focus on. So and if ha- you want, if you want a happy, healthy relationship, focus on a happy, healthy relationship. 
Don't focus on the one little piece you don't like. Focus on the 90% you do. So well, now how are you studying this in people's brains? Were you like, you weren't like cutting bodies open. <laughs> how are you finding that you were just testing people that were like at various stages of uh, relationships or what? Well, most of it is, was going through the research, the, the research that's already out there. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, was, uh, I was basically putting all the studies together. And what really got you on that was you went through a bad breakup or you were attra- attracted to the wrong kind of men or what? Well, the first book I was attracted to was way back in the day, I was attracted to the bad boy. Right. So it was like, why was I attra- so attracted to the bad boy? And I, then I figured it out. I was one of those women that kept confusing sexual attraction with love. Right. So I was jumping into these relationships. And um, I had uh, my second marriage. It was one of those where it was like the sexual attraction. We ended up jumping into a relationship. And then after a while, it's like, I, I shouldn't have married this guy. I realized, you know, later. So, and then I did a couple more relationships and I realized I, I was one of those women that had some trauma in my past. And I had to actually do some work on that in, in, to prepare me to get into a healthy relationship. Yeah. So that, how do you know when you're ready? You know, how do you know when you're ready to, to be in a relationship? Um, when it stops hurting. <laughs> if it hurts, that's, it's, it's not ready. You're not ready. And I, you, it's hard to re even tell you might think you're ready and then you get into a relationship and you find yourself like pulling back mm-hmm. and it's, you have to, it's, it's not something that just goes smoothly, like sailing down the river. You're going to have some rocky spots and you're, you the, the thing, the one thing I did learn when I, learned about long-term love is that it basically once you get past that falling in love phase your whole brain comes back so all those those things that have been suppressed there's a part of your brain that got gets suppressed in your uh frontal in your uh, uh, uh not the frontal lobe the um temporal lobe and those memories that were stored there come back so now you're in a healthy relationship that you can actually sift through those and get through some of that trauma, but it it, it it's it can be it can be difficult because you've been in this relationship and all of a sudden you start feeling this anxiety and you're not really sure where it's coming from and it's because it was suppressed during the couple, first couple of years and when it comes back that's an issue that you have to deal with mm, that's good. As, a, as a person. So what are you working on now with these testosterone tests? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I was working, I started the testosterone test mostly to, for a commitment test, but we turned out as I did some more research into the business aspect of it, there's a much bigger market for men with low T that particularly after like this COVID thing, so telehealth, like you can do the testing at your home and then guys that work out, they want to take, they want to test their testosterone. If you you can test it before and after relationships or relationship. Uh, a workout to see if you're actually it should go up by 20 percent if it drops that means you're overstretching your muscles and you're overworking out and you could be causing damage so you're not going to develop it anymore for the the faithfulness because isn't that wasn't that the original intent was that was the original one which is amazing to me that so basically there was going to you were going to come up with there was a and you have a patent for it if i remember correctly yeah, where you could yeah, so you, women would be able to go home and give their man a test and find out if he's faithful or not 
based on the chemicals flowing through his system. Is that correct? Yep. That blows my mind. And I would have been so screwed if you would have done that. You would have. You're gonna. You're gonna. If you ever came out with that, you're gonna have some men put a hit out on you. They're gonna want to kill you. They're not gonna want that to come out. I went to California and I did like a, it was like a Shark Tank, but it was called Elevator Pitch. And when the the guy, um, he said that test is gonna cost me six million dollars. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's definitely men that don't want that to come out. I guarantee you there's politicians and very powerful people that did not want something like that to come out, which right. is amazing though. It's, it fascinates me that you could break it down to that level and really mm-hmm. tell. I That's tell. I can't, it's, it's more, I can tell if you're still in pursuit. Well, okay. So they're, if they're keeping their options open, basically. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's damning enough, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate going into pursuit. You may have committed at one point and you, you may now be in pursuit. So tell everybody the books, how to find you on social media, your website, everything else. Cause I'm sure there's going to be my websites gone. I got my website got hijacked. So that's not me. My name oh. is not me anymore. Oh, okay. I, I was say, I, I thought I was on there earlier today, but somebody, I guess somebody else is. They put it back up to look like me and then they're holding it for ransom. Oh and Lord. I refuse to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Stand your ground. Um, but you're on you're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. You yes, have to... on Massler on on Facebook and Instagram, so you can get me that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, be my friend. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Everybody go followers. And, and then um, you got the books out. You got the testosterone test coming when? We are still in development, so we're hope it. Right now, it's been stalled because of COVID. Okay. So when, once this, once we can go back to work, we'll see what happens, but hopefully we were hoping by the end of the year. So it might be pushed a little bit more. Okay. You got a date set with this guy yet? August 1st. All right. All right. (laughs) What's his name? Ed. Ed. Good job. All right. Good job, Ed. All right. Well, it's been great. We've had a lot of good uh, engagement on the post and I'm going to put it up on all the other platforms, you know, Instagram and, and, YouTube and I'm sure people will get a lot out of it. So thanks for, thanks for taking time to join me on this. It was great. Really. Every time I talk to you, I, I just love it. I love learning the biology behind it. I'm like the, I'm like the practical real world experience of why things, these things don't work. I didn't know the biology, but hearing it from you is just, it's really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me yeah. and good luck with your book. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks, Don. See ya. Bye.